0: I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Today we're going to be finishing up our little chat about the priests and what they did in the holy place. Um, We've talked about the priests and the interaction at the uh, golden lampstand, how that speaks to the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, the giftings and the fire of the Holy Spirit that comes into the believers' lives. We talked about how the priests uh, interacted with each other over at the table of showbread. That's where they fellowshiped and shared bread once a week on the Sabbath. We've talked about also where the priests uh, interacted with the non-priests at the brazen altar. So if you remember correctly, um, if I remember correctly, I said there are basically three arenas of service for the priests. To the non-believer, to the non-priests at the brazen altar, to other priests at the table of showbread, And today we're going to see where the priests minister to God at the altar of incense. Those are our three arenas of service to the non-priest, to fellow priests, and to God. Today we're going to look at the altar of incense and what happens there. Now, uh, this has been a really, really, really enjoyable part of the devotional for me. And God has, as he usually does, God has uh, shined his light on an area of my life that needs some work. And that's in the area that we're going to be talking about today. But first of all, before we get to what the altar of incense stands for, let's think about it for a minute. First of all, the priests would burn incense there uh, in the morning and in the evening. And this altar of incense stands between at the far end of the holy place, just in front of the curtain that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. So the incense would uh, drift into the holy of holies where God's presence dwelled on the mercy seat. Um, But also it would fill the air up with its fragrance where the priests were hanging out in the holy place. And it's that fragrance at the altar of incense that made the priests smell like God's smell. It, their, it wasn't their service at the lampstand or the service at the table of showbread or even their, their service at the uh, brazen altar that made them stand out as God's emissaries, God, God's priests. It was the incense. A priest could be walking through after ministering, in the holy place, he could walk through the people of Israel and they would be able to smell that fragrance. And that was the only place you'd have that fragrance. It was unmistakable. The priest would smell like he'd been in the presence of God. So this altar, this incense, It fills up the place where the holy place is and the holy of holies. It's a ministry to God. And we'll see why in a second. And I don't really know any other way to say this. So I'm just going to come around and say it again. Remember, please, this is me thinking with my mouth open. Um, And this may seem like a random thought, but it it ties in. In in the Gospels, Jesus is talking about the Judgment Day, and there's going to be two groups of people there. One group of people, he's he's going to say, um, enter into the joy of your Lord. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me water to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. And they said, Lord, but when did we do any of these things to you? And he said, when, did, when you did these to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Then he's going to turn around to the second group people and he's going to say, "Depart from me, you wicked." He said, uh, and they're going to say, "But Lord, we, we we prophesied in your name, we healed, we we did all these godlike things." And he said, and what was his recrimination? He said, "But I I never knew you. There wasn't relationship." Now here's where it ties into the altar. How do you ever get to know anybody? Is it possible to know somebody without talking to them? Is it possible to know someone's heart without talking with them? You know, one of the things I treasured most about my courtship with the woman who would become my wife, and we've been married, let's see, since 1976. How many years is that? It'll be 47 years this June. One of the things we treasured about a relationship is that we could talk about anything and about everything. The intimacy that grew between my wife and I was based on the fact that we could talk. And that's how we learned to love each other and to fall in love with each other. We talked, there was conversation. If we'd never talked, there wouldn't be any relationship. And in the times in our marriage, and our marriage hasn't been perfect, my wife would be the first one to tell you that sometimes it's just been really hard. But I guarantee you, the hard times, we quit talking. I can tell my wife anything. She can tell me anything. We can talk. That's the basis, a huge part of the basis of our relationship with each other. So, how do you get to know God? Well, not just the doing of good, godly-type things. Those people said, we, we prophesied. That's a godly-type thing, right? We, we healed. We did all these things. And yet, Jesus says, but I, I never knew you. We, in essence, he's saying, we, we never talked. I, I never knew you. And that's where... The altar of incense comes into play because the altar of incense has a lot to do, it's a picture of the prayer of the saints. Let me uh, skip over here to an article, and we can just do this here real quick. Get this lower third out of the way. There we are. The altar of incense. In scripture, incense is often associated with prayer. David prayed, may my prayer be set before you like incense. In his vision of heaven, John saw that the elders around the throne were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And what prayer is talking to God. Not a monologue is a, a give and take here, but there it's conversation with God. Prayer is conversation with God. And the altar of incense then can be seen as a symbol of the prayers of God's people. Our prayers ascend to God as the smoke of the incense ascended in the sanctuary or in the holy place into the holy of holies. As the incense was burned with fire from the altar of the burnt offering, our prayers must be kindled with heaven's grace. All right, let me break that out a little bit for you. Anything we do, with God is predicated on the foundation of his grace and mercy towards us. When I was getting my, uh, music, my master's degree in music composition, um, it was at a time in my life where I was fascinated by the mass. And in particular, the mass as it was developing in the 16th, 17th, 18th century, um, and the Mass had specific pieces of music dedicated to specific portions of the, of the service. And the very first part of the service was a prayer of repentance. It's called the Kyrie. It had two phrases. Kyrie eleison. Christos eleison. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. It's the prayer of repentance. When I became a Christian, when I had that incredible experience with with God in that church service and boot camp, I was faced with the horror of my sin. It wasn't that I did bad things. It was the fact that I was a bad thing. It was the fact that I was shot through with sin and I had no hope, no hope of restoration, no hope of redemption. There was nothing I could do to earn it. And my initial cry was the curate, Lord have mercy. Because without God's mercy, I'm not forgiven. If I'm not forgiven, there is no relationship with God. Everything I am as a believer hinged on that one moment. I asked for mercy. That was my first conversation with God. I asked for mercy. And when you ask a question, there are one of two answers yes or no. No is a perfectly viable answer. And for the briefest amount of time, I didn't know how God was going to answer that because I knew I deserved death. I needed mercy, and he granted it. And ever since that moment, it's funny, I didn't realize this until I was preparing for this devotional. I have this little thing. If you're out with me and we're having lunch or something, every now and then you're going to hear me go, oh, Lord, have mercy. And uh, it's because... At random times, God will just bring a memory into my brain of something that I had done that I'm not proud of, that I didn't like. And, and sometimes it's the same thing that just keeps popping back up again and again. And when the minute I remember that thing, I will just say, Lord, have mercy. or Lord, be merciful. Lord, have mercy. It's a prayer. And I've discovered... That I tend to pray throughout the day. Now I didn't know about this praying unceasing, praying you know without ceasing, um, but I carry on conversations with God throughout the entire day. Um, I'll be driving to work, or I'll be coming home, and it'll be a beautiful sunset or sunrise, and I'll just tell God how beautiful it is, how amazing it is. There will be times when I'll just sit when I have moments to myself. I'll be overwhelmed with gratefulness for my children and grandchildren. And I'll just take a moment and thank God about this incredible life he's given me. I thank God for my incredible wife on a regular basis. And it's just simple, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this woman you gave me. Thank you for these children you gave me, for these grandchildren. Thank you for the gift of music. You know, I'm telling him thanks interspersed with the Lord, the Lord have mercies when he brings up other memories throughout the entire day. So I have an ongoing discussion with God. And I gotta tell you, it changes things. It changes. It cha- it has changed my life. I can guarantee you, I am a different man now than I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, when I was saved in 75, 47, 48 years ago, this April. Um. Now, the thing that God is bringing to mind is that I need to work on, I need to work more on the prayer thing. But, see, here, but before I get into that, this is why I'm saying what I'm saying about the altar of incense. Out of all the things that the priest is involved in at the alt- brazen altar, working with the non-priests, at the table of showbread, working with other priests, tending the lampstand, um, working on his relationship with the Holy Spirit and the giftings and the abilities the Holy Spirit gives. It's at the altar of incense that he gets the aroma or fragrance of God in his life. Do you want to walk around and have people know that you're different, that you walk, that you're, you've you been with God. It's at the altar of incense that that happens. It's prayer. Now, here's the one thing about the altar of incense. I, I hinted at it yesterday. The priest would go in and they would do whatever their tasks were in the holy place. And uh, they would come out smelling like God. Well, that smell wears off. It's not a permanent thing. They'd have to go back in again. And again, and yet again. There's not one single prayer that is going to make you holy. There's not one single prayer that's going to make people say, oh, he's been with God. Kiddos, that's called magic and sorcery. God ain't having none of that. But as you spend time with him, the fragrance goes with you. You have to go back in again. You have to pray again. You have to minister at the altar of incense again. Now, there's all kinds of prayers for intercession, for healing. You know, prayer is prayer. Prayer is talking with God. Um, I tend to not want to complicate my life by coming up with all these categories of prayers. Um, Prayer is prayer. Prayer is talking with God. There are times of intense prayer where you're focused And you set aside a time just for that. Uh, There's some times when our congregation will come together and pray for the students in our community. Or if there's a tragedy, we'll come together as a congregation and pray, or I'll set aside time to pray. But generally speaking, I'm talking with God throughout my day. And when he brings a thought in my mind, I deal with it with him. Now, Another really really cool thing I like to do is um, incorporate prayer into uh, music in my life. Right? So let's let me. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. Uh, hopefully, this will come out okay. Uh, let's see here. There's a, there's a psalm. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Get my coffee cup out of the way. What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you remember him? I'll take I'll take a psalm, and I'll turn it into a prayer. So it will be like a, let's see here, get this over here. All right, get this out, out of the way, there we go. There we are. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What is man that your full of him what a son of man that you remember him who am I oh and I'll just take that and just I'll take that psalm and I'll just kind of make up whatever little melody and I'll sing it and play it sing it and play it and it becomes a prayer And so I've incorporated prayer into almost every aspect of my life. Many of the songs we do in our church are prayers. Um, So the point that I'm trying to make of all the things that the priests in the Old Testament tabernacle are involved in, it's what happens at the altar of incense that impresses the fragrance of God on the priest. And when he leaves the tabernacle, he goes out amongst the people for a short time. He smells like he's been with God. God has been impressing on me that I need to spend some more concentrated time in prayer, like set aside a time for specifically for prayer. I'm, I'm praying without ceasing throughout the entire day, like I mentioned, but I I need to develop the habit of a regular time of prayer. And I'm going to work on that. Uh, But my point in all of this is that of all the things the priest does, it's not his ministering to the non-priest that causes people to recognize he's been with God. It's not his ministry with other priests at the table of showbread that causes people to recognize he's been with God. It's being in the presence of the fragrance of the altar of incense, which is prayer, that causes people to say, he's been with God, she's been with God. So I would, sh- I would put out in front of you that if you want to smell like God smells, look into this thing called prayer. It is a... Um, It's necessary. And it's conversation with God. Remember, the thing that Jesus had against those people who said they did all these Christian-like things. He said, but I never knew you. It's another way of saying, we never talked. You never came to me. If I just stopped talking to my wife, our marriage would crumble If I didn't give her any attention, marriage would crumble. I could go through all the motions of being married, earning the paycheck, paying bills, paying the mortgage, whatever. That isn't what my wife craves. She craves my company. She wants to talk with me. She wants to have a relationship with me. God's no different. It happens at the altar of incense, where you talk to God, where you pray, where the fragrance of God, for a short time, sticks to you, and then you have to go back and pray some more, and go back and have more conversations. You know, it's funny, the, the longer I'm with my wife, the more she and I start to think alike. We were two very incredibly different people when we got married, and we're still two incredibly different people. We have our different quirks and attributes that separate ourselves, uh, me, from her. But in many respects, she is becoming more like me and I'm becoming more like her. And it's due to the fact that we have relationship. And relationship has a lot to do with talking to each other. Remember what I said earlier about the Ten Commandments? It's more like a, a marriage contract. If I truly am the Lord your God... And we have a relationship, you and I, you will have no other gods before me. Or I could say it like this If I'm truly the Lord your God, and we talk to each other, we spend time with each other, the natural outcome of that will be you'll have no other gods before me. Does that make sense? All right. Well, that's a good place for me to stop. Uh, Here's my coffee. On page tomorrow, we will finish up the book of Exodus. It's going to be exciting. Have a great day. Bye bye.